Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Tonight, my guest is Alex Newman from The New American Magazine. Um, A little history. I actually met Alex at a UN climate change conference. He was one of the, if not the only, skeptical journalist actually allowed inside. And I looked at his work at The New American and I knew we would be kindred spirits and so tonight Alex is coming back on the show he's been on the show before and we're talking about not just UN stuff but also how the mainstream media is failing because Alex lives in Florida and if you listen to CNN everybody in Florida is basically dead right now of the coronavirus Alex says not so um And he's going to tell us the other side of this story. Now, if you like listening to the show, then you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, which I think, obviously, is worth the price of admission alone. But you also get access to David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, and Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member of Rebel News Plus it's easy and it's cheap it's only eight bucks a month you won't regret it and just for my podcast listeners you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe that's Rebel News Plus so rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member and if you like the show and I'm relatively confident that you will. Please leave a five-star review wherever you find us because that's a great way to support the show without having to spend a dime. But it also does something else. It helps other people find the podcast. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Is everybody dead in Florida and everybody just skipping, singing, dancing, and completely cured of the coronavirus in New York State? Well, if you listen to CNN, you might get that impression. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. seems to think or want you to believe that Florida is a coronavirus zombie wasteland. If you Google Florida coronavirus, you're going to see story after story about how that conservative state didn't go into full lockdown and made a huge mistake by not going into full lockdown. And you're going to hear about the surge in positive coronavirus test results. But testing positive is not the same as being hospitalized or dying of that Chinese disease. For example, just a few days ago, the statewide deaths in Florida of the coronavirus were about 4,300. New York State, 23,000. And for context, the state of Florida has about 2 million more people than the state of New York. Florida's problem, though, as I mentioned earlier, is that they're conservative and they didn't go into lockdown. So they're not going to get fair treatment from the Karens at CNN, MSNBC, or CBC here in Canada. But I've got a friend in Florida who's going to come on the show today to tell us the other side of the story about the coronavirus pandemic 
in Florida. Joining me tonight in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon is Alex Newman from the New American Magazine to talk about the coronavirus, how dumbing down our education system with this social justice nonsense only serves to benefit China, the Christian roots of American independence, and what Alex really thinks is behind the rioting in the United States. from his home in Florida is Alex Newman. He's the foreign correspondent with the New American Magazine, but he also hosts um, a show on the New American called Behind the Deep State, which I think is fantastic. Um, Alex, thanks for joining me. Now, you're in Florida, and we didn't. I didn't say I was going to ask you about this off air, but I want to ask you about this because uh, Don Lemon on CNN told me that everyone is in Florida is dead because of uh, Ron DeSantis and how he hi- how he handled the coronavirus. But apparently you're still alive. Please tell us how that works. Yeah, to, to quote Mark Twain, uh, the reports of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, in fact, uh, Florida is pretty much operating as normal. Uh, you know, I was at church on Sunday and it was packed and, and the pastor was preaching about, oh my goodness, uh, everybody in the church needs to not worry about dying from coronavirus. Um, you know, and the media is, is absolutely, you know this better than anybody, yeah. the media in America and in Canada are an absolute disgrace. Uh, they're heckling our governor now, trying to shame him into locking down the state. But uh, no, I mean, everything's fine here. We don't, we still don't know anybody with coronavirus. Um, I mean, you know, we're not dropping like flies, I can assure you. Yeah, it's funny how Ron DeSantis is treated versus uh, Governor Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Governor Cuomo uh, for, you know, all measurable factors. He's been a disaster handling this. Uh, Floridians, your lives seem to be kind of unaffected. And, you know, sure, you're seeing more people test positive, but that's because you're testing more people. And really, it's not reflected in your hospitalization and death rates. Anyway. That's right. Our, our death rates are actually way down. Um, you know, there's a lot of fishy stuff going on with the testing. There's different testing companies. There's different methodologies. Some of them are testing for antibodies. So, you know, it might have been somebody that had it in March, and, and just now they're showing the antibodies. Like, oh, my goodness, a new case. No, it's not a new case. Uh, that person had it in March. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a lot of hysteria. I think uh, you know, one of the big goals is to lock the economy down again. It, it almost feels like psychological terrorism, you know. Uh, one of the things that, that some of the more brutal governments do to terrorize people and torture people is completely isolate them. So don't see anybody. And, you know, if you don't have a, a big family like me or, you know, nice neighbors and, and a nice church, uh, you know, you can imagine a, a single old lady at home just, you know, totally isolated, feels like she can't go out. Uh, I mean, imagine the psychological damage that does to people. And we are seeing that reflected. I mean, we're seeing a massive increase in suicides, drug overdoses, people drinking themselves to death. Um, you know, the, the psychological effects of this are, are going to be horrendous. The economic effects are going to be uh, a cataclysm. If we're lucky, and, uh, you know, this is not going well. Uh, we just saw, of course, the, the governor of California re-shut down all sorts of things, you know, uh, churches, uh, movie theaters, restaurants, cool. bars, schools. So it's uh, it's a crazy, crazy time, Sheila. And I know you guys are dealing with it up in Canada, too. But uh, the damage being done by these lockdowns, I think, is going to uh, make the coronavirus actually look very mild in comparison. Yeah, I've been lucky. My premier here in Alberta, he's a conservative. Um, 
although our conservatives are never quite as conservative as your conservatives, but he's been pretty adamant about reopening the economy. And uh, so we're reopening a lot faster than the rest of the country. Um, and again, just trying to stave off some of that economic and psychological damage uh, to the country. And my concern is the longer this goes on, the more the new normal just becomes the normal, this relying on the government for a paycheck, for survival, for sustenance. This is being normalized when it was something um, that, you know, was a last ditch resort. We have like 30 percent in some instances of the population re relying on the government right now just to keep a roof over their head. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the situation is similar in the United States. We've had 50 million people lose their jobs over the last few months as a result of these lockdowns. And uh, the government's stepping in and making up their full paycheck plus a little bonus on top. So it kind of masking uh, the economic cataclysm that's bubbling up under the surface. But at some point, reality is going to set in. These trillions of dollars they've been printing are going to cause massive damage. Uh, I mean, we are facing some very serious problems. And, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, there's really no upside to this. Yeah, I, I think several yeah. of the times that I've been on your show, Sheila, I've been in Sweden. My, you know, that's one of yeah. my homes. I've spent uh, many, many years living there. And they get almost everything wrong. You know, God bless the Swedes. But um, on this thing, they finally got something right. They said, no, we're not going to do lockdowns. We're not having social distancing. We're not going to shut down our economy. Kids can still go to school. Uh, I mean, just you, you know, you walk through downtown Stockholm and it's like nothing's going on. And guess what? They're doing fine. In fact, they're doing a lot better than a lot of the countries that locked everything down. So the idea that we're going to and, and, and also, it's interesting, you know, when this first started, oh, we just got to flatten the curve so that we don't overload the hospitals. Two this weeks. Is gonna be two weeks. That's right. And then two weeks came and went, oh, no, you know, forget about flattening the curve. Now we just have to make sure nobody ever gets it. it it's so silly. And you know how we can know that we're being deceived here, Sheila? I, I, I think what we saw with the George Floyd death was a, just a perfect giveaway. You know, one moment they're telling you literally on CNN, Don Lemon and some of these other, you're a murderer if you leave your house for any non-essential yeah purpose how dare you go to church that makes you a murderer you don't care about granny uh, and then like I mean, it was just like they flipped a switch the next hour it was oh my goodness systemic racism you are a racist if you don't go out and protest with thousands of other people silence is violence is their new terms you yeah. have to be a protester so i mean it went from you're a murderer for being outside to if you don't go outside you're a racist and and a lot of the sheep i, I guess six percent of the people still believe the media were like oh okay it's crazy yeah. sheila yeah, we're seeing the same thing here. I mean, we have our prominent politicians scolding people for going to the beach when just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, their people from their own party were speaking in crowds of 15,000 people in the capital city. But, you know, heaven forbid those normal conservative voters from the central part of the province that they go to the closest thing we have to a nice beach around here. It's it's really it's like we live in two different worlds. Now, you mentioned the riots, and I wanted to talk to you about that because you have a really great article on The New American. I cannot recommend it enough. And you sort of go into what's really behind the riots. It's it's not really what they say it is. You're right, Sheila. It's not. Thank you for, for mentioning that. It's our latest cover story in the New American magazine. So subscribers would have gotten that over the last week or so. But the article is also online if people want to read it there. And uh, we kind of do a deep dive into what's going on here. So we look at uh, you know some of the groups that are involved. We, we do a deep dive into Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the Sunrise Movement, which is kind of organizing uh, the children at right, the middle school and the high school kids to come out. Uh, and then we look at the funding sources for some of these organizations. And surprise, it's the same old names we keep 
seeing again the Rockefeller Family Foundation, for example, is the largest financier of the Sunrise Movement, which was organizing a defund the police campaign long before George Floyd's death happened. Uh, we've got George Soros. Uh, even even before Black Lives Matter was an actual organization, uh, we have hacked documents from 2015 from his Open Societies Foundations uh, showing that they loved this idea. They were actually putting uh, $615,000 into training up leaders for this uh, Black Lives Matter movement that they were planning. And now we have the leaders of this organization openly coming out and telling us they're Marxists. Uh, Patrice uh, Couloir, one of the co-founders, yep. Uh, she was on the Real News Network, and she said, oh, yeah, we're highly trained Marxists, and we're super well-versed in uh, uh, ideological theories. I mean, they're telling us to our faces that they're Marxists, yeah. they want to dismantle the nuclear family, and then if you disagree with them, oh, you don't think Black Lives Matter. It, it's such a ridiculous trick that you'd have to be, you know, at, at a kindergarten level not to be able to see through that, or maybe working at CNN. But that's where we are today. It's crazy. You know, that's a very uh, sort of Greta Thunberg trick. You know, they, they say, oh, you know, uh, if you disagree with Greta Thunberg, somehow you have to be against, you know, kids and you have to be mean <laughs> to kids. Uh, it's the same sort of scam. And, and uh, you know, there is this weird, bizarre focus on kids. And um, at The New American, you have a really great interview that you did with Bruce Dietrich um, that talks about how basically American school children are being dumbed down and for me, as someone who focuses on China's imperialist goals, I think it's a terrible idea to be dumbing down future generations while China is um, excessively educating their kids in an attempt to take over the world. It, you just hit the nail on the head, Sheila. This is literally suicidal. I mean, no yeah. nation in human history has ever been able to dumb down its population with a rising superpower where the top generals literally say they're going to nuke hundreds of our cities if we obey our treaty obligations and step into this help Taiwan. Uh, and then meanwhile, in Seattle, our politicians are saying, oh, math is racist. Uh, math is, is a product of white supremacy. You're like, OK, wait a minute here. How in the world are we going to build bridges? How are we going to build weapons? How are we going to keep our military? military up if math is racist, right? We're going to have to hire Chinese to come and do it because they actually learned math in school. Uh, it is beyond insane. It, it would be like a, a parody, a cartoon, if the implications weren't so deadly serious. Yeah, I, I, that reminds me of a, an email I got today from someone who works for the Government Agency of Statistics Canada, and they are being forced to undergo um, racism training, how to be a better ally. And I'm like, you guys just count things like that's what you do you count <laughs> things how are the numbers racist and even if you were a racist working for statistics canada which i can't imagine there are any i mean the the supply of racists doesn't really meet the demand these days but even <laughs> so if you, even if you were a racist working for statistics canada uh how does that affect your work like why why do you have to undergo all this like extra training how would anybody know that you were sitting there just like thinking racist thoughts in your mind while you're crunching numbers. It's and we would a are training going to make a difference. I mean, you're going to go to your training program and that poof, no more racist, right? It's crazy. And, yeah. and actually, um, uh, 
you know, in, in America, we have a similar situation, Sheila. I, I mean, the actual problem, like, you know, we have some issues. Planned Parenthood, for example, the, sure. the largest killer of children in this country was founded by a lady who, by her own admission, wanted to get the Negroes out of the gene pool, who thought colored people were like human weeds, who thought the most merciful thing a large family could do to one of its children was to kill it. I mean, this is a psychopath. She used to go give speeches to the yeah. KKK. She inspired Adolf Hitler. And here we are giving him $600 million a year just at the federal level to slaughter babies. And they're setting up shop in the minority neighborhoods, yeah. you know, killing minorities all out of proportion to their numbers. We have the Democrat Party. You know, if we really want to dismantle systemic racism, there really isn't much except the Democrat Party. It has a history from the start of supporting slavery, uh, racism, racial terrorism. I mean, Democrats founded the KKK, and yeah. yet they want to take down statues of people who fought in the Civil War to free slaves, right? It, it's, it's so obviously contrived that you really would have to be an ignoramus. You would have have to have been dumbed down for 12 years in a government school to be able to fall for this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just like Canada, where we have uh, a man who did blackface at least three times, but he's really lost count, lecturing the rest of us on systemic racism. A lot of it is projection, I think. Um, okay. Now, let's talk about uh, something that uh, you have an interview about, again, on The New American, um, with British film producer Mark Sutherland. And uh, it's about the state of conservatism in the UK. And for me, as a Canadian, this really um, rang true for me because we have this sort of uh, conservative party that in a lot of instances is conservative in name only. They hold these ideals now that if you dial back just, you know, five, six, maybe 10 years ago, no conservative would adopt. And you would accuse the liberals who held those beliefs of being absolute crazy people. And yet, and yet that's the state of conservatism in much of the Commonwealth. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's the same thing here. We're just not quite as far advanced. But I mean, you, you look at people like John F. Kennedy, who was a liberal in his day, uh, JFK. Yep. You know, he, he was a liberal. Everybody knew yep. he was a liberal. Uh, he was a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. And yet you go back and you look at the things he was saying today. The media would say, oh, my goodness, he's a right wing fringe extremist kook. Yep. We've got to stop him at all costs. That's how fast these progressions are coming. And you're right. Even things that just a few years ago would have been outlandish liberal ideas are now slowly being adopted by the conservatives. In America, you even have some Republicans who are starting to cave on the on the global warming scam. So this has been a, an ongoing process over multiple generations. And conservatives aren't actually conserving anything, right? They're just moving along further and further. We just keep moving the goalposts. Uh, we see it in the UK. We see it in Canada. We see it in the United States. We see it all over the West. We see it uh, in, in pretty much the entire world. And obviously, this is being orchestrated. Right? It's not that just people wake up one day and they're more liberal. Obviously, something is going on here behind the scenes that is moving the population in that direction. It's a combination of, as Trump pointed out in his uh, recent uh, Independence Day speech at Mount Rushmore, uh, the indoctrination taking place in our public schools. He hit the nail on the head and the fake news. They're gradually moving the population more and more toward and, and not even liberal. I mean, it's totalitarian craziness. These people want to teach kindergartners that they can uh, start taking hormones and mutilate their genitals if they feel like they might have been born in the wrong body. I mean, just two years ago, a liberal saying that would have been absolutely ridiculed. People would have been disgusted. And today yeah. it's kind of being normalized. It's it's sick. Well, yeah. And if you said that in Canada, you'd be dragged before a human rights commission and your conservative party who claims to conserve things would be utterly silent on the issue. Um, yeah, it's funny that uh, 
the coronavirus, um, it could have gone two different ways, right? Like it could have been like, this is our chance to take back uh, self-sufficiency, you know, that we don't, we, we can rely on a network of friends and families. So we should probably learn how to grow our own food. And we shouldn't live in cities right on top of each other, that it, people do best with a little space in between us. It could have gone that way. And I was sort of hoping that it would go that way because those are, that's really the solution to the, if this thing, if another pandemic ever comes our way, that's the way to prevent it from spreading and tearing through our society and causing it to shut down again. If it tears through our society, the shutdown will naturally come. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because that's what they want to do. But in fact, it's going the other way, isn't it? It's going towards more government control. It's it's going towards more government uh, reliance and, and more government meddling in your family. And uh, that makes me really sad because I feel like this might have been our moment in time. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sheila. And there's, there's, you know, a few silver linings that I see coming out of this. Uh, one of the big ones is that uh, in some districts, half of parents are considering pulling yes. their children out of public school and just homeschooling them. That would be an incredible boon to freedom and to the family and to the churches. Uh, it would just be incredible. But you're right. You know, and, and we are seeing a migration now out of the cities in the United States, especially after this rioting and, and the lockdowns. People are trapped in like little broom closets masquerading as apartments. Like, no, I'm not doing it anymore. I want to. Yeah in the suburbs at least maybe even a little farm uh, and so that's encouraging but the reality is with this pandemic They've been wargaming this for a very long time, Sheila. I mean, the Rockefeller Foundation put out a report in 2010 where they talked about a, a hypothetical pandemic that might pop out of China. And, yeah. oh, my goodness, the Chinese communist tyranny, it works so well to keep everybody safe. And those dumb Americans with all their freedoms and all their rights, and because of that, they're all in big trouble. Uh, and th they brag about, oh, people will be begging for more centralized control and we'll have takeovers of businesses. We'll have digital global ID cards for all citizens. I mean, they were telling us openly. Uh, even last year, uh, Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum and uh, the uh, Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University, they held this uh, Event 201 where they wargamed yep. a novel coronavirus. They were going to have to censor social media. They were going to have to shut down what they described as misinformation in the media. I mean, we're seeing it all come to pass. They've been planning for this. Um, and they are they always do this, exploit anything for advancing tyranny, globalism, less freedom for you, more power for them. You know, those Rockefellers, they really are a bit of a plague upon society uh, and free society and free people. Um, they've been funding the opposition to Canadian energy independence for the better part of the last 15 years. Um, and the damage they've done to the economy here in Western Canada has been catastrophic. Uh, while, you know, their interests in the United States are perfectly fine to develop oil and gas there, they're hobbling uh, the Canadian economy and funding opposition to uh, uh, pipelines here. And yet, you know, they're so entrenched in the left that when they uh, like that's the real foreign meddling conspiracy, isn't it? <laughs> that these Democrat donors and Democrat supporters can meddle in the entire Canadian economy and shut down the economy of in Alberta. Four million people, but nobody bats an eye. It's all Putin, Putin, Putin. 
Yeah, and, and we're dealing with the same problem here with the Rockefellers. And it's not just the Rockefellers, they're just like the obvious candidate. But yeah, yeah. They, they made their fortune in oil, and then they're telling us, oh, we got to shut down all the fossil fuel industry because yeah. of climate change. And what they really mean is give us more money, give us more power. Uh, you know, they were the, probably the largest financiers of systematic racism in human history. Uh, they were funding eugenics. They were funding Planned yeah. Parenthood. They were funding Nazi pseudoscience, masquerading as racial science. Um, they were funding Joseph Mengele, for crying out loud. And here they are bankrolling anti-racist protests. I mean, does anybody really believe the Rockefellers suddenly grew a conscience and now they're upset about racism? Come on. I mean, come on. Let's not be gullible, folks. Uh, the Rockefellers are part of this international network. I've actually got a really important book behind me called Tragedy and Hope. Uh, it was written by Bill Clinton's mentor, believe it or not, Carol Quigley, uh, a guy from Georgetown University, a history professor. And he actually explains in the book, he, he agrees with what these people are doing. He calls it an international Anglophile network that seeks to really create a world system that they control. And what he says is the, 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 uh, the network operates very much in the way that the radical right, which basically means conservatives, believe the Communist Act. And by the way, this network has no aversion to cooperating with communists and frequently not. does so, right? And so yeah. you wonder, how can the Rockefellers be funding communist revolutionaries in the street? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense if you understand what the objective is. Yeah, I don't even think that they have a real ideology. Their ideology is control, be it through and carbon tax. Yeah, and money, <laughs> be it through carbon taxes, you know, uh, through, you know, making it cost more to run your car um, to go places, to buy food, um, to re-educate you th uh, through uh, counter-racism training. Really, it's about it's all about uh, centralizing control for themselves at the top, and the rest of us are just the worker bees and the drones. That's exactly, Sheila. That's exactly the way they see us. And, uh, you know, they have big plans for us. They, they're, they've been openly talking about giving us all global IDs and mandatory vaccines, and they want to herd us all into cities. I mean, they, they're backing all these UN plans. And David Rockefeller, the, uh, the recently deceased patriarch of the family, uh, I love that they're so honest. He actually wrote an yeah. autobiography. It's called Memoirs. It was published in 2004. And if you go to page 405, he tells you everything. He says some even, but this is almost an example. Exact quote. I might get a word wrong or two here. But uh, he says, uh, some even believe that we, the Rockefeller family, are part of an international cabal secretly conspiring against the best interests of our own country yeah, uh, to form I believe a that. world yes. political <laughs> and economic structure. Yeah, we believe that. And then he says, uh, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. The guy is proud that, in his words, he's a conspirator conspiring with a secret cabal against the best interests of his own country. I mean, how many admissions do we need before somebody starts looking into these foundations and what they're doing? All that money, and he couldn't buy an original book title. He just called it <laughs> memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think they figure nobody's ever going to read it except their like yeah. little buddies, uh, you know, and they know they've been using quackery in the schools. Actually, Rockefeller, again, uh, back in the early 1900s, they had a, a philanthropic organization called the General Education Board. They put three million dollars back when that was an insane amount of money into the pockets of a guy called John Dewey to set up an experimental school at the University of Chicago. And they 
experimented again with this method of teaching reading. We call it the whole word method. And the kids who graduated from the school, including some of the Rockefeller kids, by the way, couldn't read or write when they got out. Now, for the Rockefellers, that was okay because they could hire 10 secretaries who could do all their reading and writing. But for us normal people, we kind of need to read to be able to get along in life. And not that, you know, they, they saw that that happened and they didn't say, oh, that's terrible. We should never do that again. They said, that's perfect. Let's spread that across the whole country. And that's exactly what they did. Holy sinister stuff. Now, you have a great video that talks about the Christian roots of American independence. And I think this is really phenomenal, especially now that you're talking about this, because we see so much of these Black Lives Matter protests. They are anti-Christian. It is churches being burned. It's cathedrals being burned. It's priests being attacked. Um, and nobody's really acknowledging that it, what they're trying to undo is America itself. And to undo America itself, they really do have to attack its Christian roots. They do. And, and they're trying to systematically dismantle Christian civilization, which is really ironic because uh, the reason humanity has progressed so far in terms of yeah. eradicating slavery, in terms of stopping racism, in terms of recognizing the fundamental, uh, as our founding fathers called it, the self-evident truth that all men are created equal, that everyone is endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. I mean, that's right in the Declaration of Independence for the United States. The reason why slavery ended around the world was precisely because of the Christian principles that were enshrined in our Declaration of Independence. Uh, now, this history has been largely wiped out from the public school system. Something like 80% of American children actually have this crazy idea that America invented slavery. They don't realize that slavery has been ubiquitous from the time man has been on this planet. Uh, the Chinese, the Romans, the Greeks, the Africans, the Arabs, they all practice slavery. Almost every culture in human history has. And then along come these American and British Christians relying on the Bible. And they say, wait a minute here. Uh, how could you enslave another person? God says that taking another, enslaving a person is wrong and is evil. And, and God doesn't talk about your inferior. I mean, that stuff actually came from Darwin. If you read his book, yeah. uh, The Origin of Species, and the survival of the most favored races. That was really the pseudoscientific foundation for racism. And yet the Black Lives Matter people want to flip everything upside down. They want to blame Christianity and America for racism and slavery when it's really exactly the opposite. Yeah. I mean, they really are overlooking the fact that Christians believe that all men are image bearers of Christ. And so, uh, you know, when they, when they dismantle Christianity, they must ultimately dismantle that concept too. And I don't think they're going to like how that works out for them. Alex, you've been very generous with your time. Um, how do people find the work that you do? Because you do important work and you do uh, sort of a bit of a, uh, you have a bit of a rebel mission where you do tell the other side of the story. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, Sheila. It's always such a pleasure. I love your show and I love your audience. Uh, best place to find my my investigative articles is at thenewamerican.com. Uh, or, you know, if you want to subscribe to the print magazine, you can get that right at the website as well. Uh, I do tons of other stuff as well. I write for a lot of different publications, but uh, The New American is where most of my work goes. And then if people want to find more, you can just put my name into a search engine. I write for uh, Freedom Project, The Epic Times, uh, lots of different publications like that. And uh, thanks again for having me on the show, Sheila. It's been and wonderful as always. Oh, we're huge fans of the Epoch Times around here. We love them. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll talk again real soon. Thanks so much, Sheila.
today, the moral of the story is that we all need to do our own research. The facts are out there. Every journalist has their own bias and slant, including me and, of course, including Alex. The difference is Alex and I admit it, but Rosie Barton at the CBC or Don Lemon or one of the other crones and scolds over at MSNBC, well, they want you to believe that they are completely, totally objective. They aren't. None of us are. Some of us are just more honest about it than others. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.